Welcome to Transforming Medical Communications, a podcast by MedCom's experts. We share medical communications insights and advice from the best and brightest in the industry to find out what they're doing to push our industry forward. Here's your host, Wesley Portages. Welcome everyone to the Transforming Medical Communications podcast. I'm your host, Wesley Portuguese, and joining me today is Sissy Izo-Joseph, who I actually consider to be a true expert in medical communications. Sissy brings over two decades of rich experience and has been on the forefront of our dynamic field. She's currently serving as the Director of Global Scientific Communications for the Antibiotic Portfolio at GSK and uh, therefore really instrumental in driving strategic communication initiatives and bridging the gap between industry and HEPs. Welcome to the show, Sissy. Thank you so much, Wesley. I really appreciate it. Thank you for that really kind introduction. Thank you for this time today. Absolutely. So maybe to start off, how would you define medical affairs and, and how would you describe that medical communications actually fit into that picture? So medical affairs, of course, is a department and uh, function within the pharmaceutical company. And for me, truly should be a leader within the organization, right? And medical communication truly sits within that organization and runs as a partner with medical affairs, really, to drive the strategy for what should be the science and what is communicated to healthcare professionals about a disease state and or the product. And really, leaders within the organization. I know commercial, they get all the, uh, they get all what I say are the bells and whistles and they get all the glory, if you will, and, and rightfully so at times, but without a medical affairs organization within a pharmaceutical company, there is no product. So I hate to say this, but we should be leaders within an organization right at the top with commercial. We are there, we should run it together because the success of a product really lies on medical affairs and medical communications. Yep, yep, true that. So uh, you have made quite a journey through the field of medical communications. I know you started uh, actually on the agency side and then you worked uh, both for Teva and now for GSK. So quite a impressive uh, career path. What actually influenced your decision to specialize in medical communications? So. My career in medical communications kind of came by chance. I started off in environmental slash toxicology at a pharma company in the lab, if you will, at Merck, and quickly realized it wasn't for me. I thought I was going to change the world and realized I need to talk a lot more. Obviously, you know, as a friend also that I talk a lot and figure out what am I going to do? I fell upon medical communications on the East Coast and realize it's it's quite an industry that really supports pharmaceutical companies in educating healthcare professionals about disease and product. So I fell into an organization and medical communications agencies. I started at the bottom as a project and program coordinator. I really worked to the top as a VP client services and having unique background in science but doing client services, understanding what pharmaceutical companies needed in terms of strategy for communicating the science. And what that afforded me then coming over to the pharma side about eight years ago now was how that strategy really plays to support a company in terms of putting really good medical communications out there and working out a plan, right? And what we'll be talking about probably a little bit later is transforming that into what a strategic plan really looks like and implementing that plan 
and how important that is for an organization, really thinking about that from the beginning and as early on as you can, and really pulling that through. Medical communication is very dear to my heart because it's important to lay a very good groundwork for that. And I've been privileged to work with many great people in this industry and also very good organizations, you know, even on the agency side as partners with pharmaceutical companies to really lay good foundational work and work through that and understanding that from different organizations in terms of the services that they provide. And we evolve over time, right? And bringing that obviously over to a pharmaceutical company. And then with an organization like pharmaceutical companies, within that you have creativity, innovation, and working with people who have been in this space to really take that to the next level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you said a few times, uh, we have evolved. Could you maybe be specific? Like, you know, you have been in the field for quite some time. What would you say are the key differences when you started out in Medcoms and, and now? So at the end of the day, this is all about patient centricity, right? But when we started, it was all about, it's very print. I mean, I hate to date myself, but we're back in the day when you were thinking about medical communications or scientific communications and publications, as we would say, is always the hub. You need publications, you need Congress activities, but it was very more print heavy, right? Because we didn't have what we had today. We didn't have, you know, the internet, what isn't what it was today, but I remember the days when you did an abstract and you sent it via fax, you did slides and we had it on reels. You didn't even have a place where you could go to access information the way we do now. The web, we talk about WebMD or we just talk about CERMO or you just talk about going to the internet. A patient didn't do that. Physicians didn't do that. You know, even the MSLs, the way they interact with a physician using slides the way they do, it was not like that. You know, at the end of the day, we took printed materials you know, we might have printed at home or we might even have gone to Office Depot to print something out from back in the day. So you're talking about a huge evolution. And if you even talk about today, you're talking about the availability of an AI or a chat GPT. So something that wasn't even within our realm of understanding back in the day is available to us now. So as medical communications professionals, we almost have to evolve daily to think about how do we communicate with our healthcare professionals and even the patient. The patient is very savvy these days, right? It's not that, you know, we say layman, but many of them, including like ourselves, we want information today and we want it now. So we want to be ahead of that to understand how do they get that information? How do they digest that information? And how do we want to make that accessible to them? but make sure that it's still founded on science, good data, and well-defined so that they access that information in a way that's usable for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, as, a, as an agency owner, I, I speak with a lot of uh, different clients, and something that I always find intriguing is that you know companies seem to have kind of really their own ways on how they organize medical affairs and medical communications. There's a lot of terminology and nine out of 10 times the same term means something else at a different company. Would you mind reflecting maybe on uh, you your time at Teva and GSK and how those two organizations maybe have a different uh, view on, on medical communications? So, I mean, even when I was at Teva or other organizations, you know, scientific communications and medical communications, they're sort of interchanged you know, in terms of how that speak is. However, in essence, scientific communications or medical communications really is one in the same. Communicating the science or the science of communication to those that will be using that in order to make 
treatment and or managed care and managed care decisions for their patients. That is what we are doing at the end of the day. And that is very important for us to understand whether it's SciComs, MedComs, and also developing a strategy behind that and then implementing that strategy, whatever that means. And when we talk about that, it's also an integrated one. It's not a siloed approach. You know, when we talk about scientific communications, we always think, okay, there's just that one group that does scientific communications. But if we really think about how that works. And honestly, I've been privileged to work with organizations that really have an integrated approach. It is working with cross-functional teams together to align on a strategy for the disease state that we are currently working in and the product so that together, cross-functionally, we align and then put together a plan that reaches all those different cross-functional teams and then externally so that we are having tactics that really reach the the relevant audiences, right? And I think that's very important. So I've been privileged, to be honest, to work within those kind of guardrails, if you will, which has been really good for me because I think what it allows us to do is truly have an approach that has one vision. And when you have one vision, it's not distracted, it's not diffracted in any way. And together we are trying to achieve a goal, which is again, you know, disseminating information that has one vision to those people that need it the most. Because at the end of the day, we are trying to make a change for patients who are suffering. And if that's the case, we're going out and we have a diffracted or inconsistent message across, then I think what that will then do for us is is not allow us to reach our goal. Yeah, and, and you're kind of leading us in the next topic already, which is around integrated medical communication. So some time ago, we had the pleasure to be on the faculty together for the MAPS Integrated Medical Communication Strategy and Plan Masterclass. And it was really exciting for me to see you share your knowledge there. Now for our audience here, could you maybe explain what an integrated medical communication strategy and plan actually is? So, you know, for those of us in the medical communications, you know, feel who do this sort of every day, it's sort of our life and breath, if you will. What a true integrated medical communication strategy and plan means, and integrated means working on it together. It's not a silent approach. It's the true strategic roadmap that tells the story for your product, for again, whatever disease state that we are in and that product, it's laying out the plan and how that story is going to be told, who that story is going to be told to and when and how it's going to be told, you know, the tactics that are within that story. And that strategy is not done in isolation. I like to say that all the time. It's not an end of one. It's not SciComm or MedCom within your organization goes out and says, this is what we're going to do. And we do it in isolation. The importance of a true integrated medical communications plan is, and the beauty of it is, a collaborative effort done by a cross-functional team that comes together and that has that vision and aligns on a strategy driven by medical affairs and medical communications along with the cross-functional team and puts together a truly integrated medical communications plan and strategy that will truly define the success of your product. And that is truly what it is. It's a roadmap. It's a roadmap, excuse me, a roadmap. You can call it a playbook, a hymn book. I'm sure we all have our own, our name for it, but that is what it is. And once you have that and everybody has that in their hand, it will help you drive success of that product. And it's very important. I believe that every, every company has some semblance of a roadmap, of course, that us uh, from medical, of course, 
You have a commercial plan, which everybody does, and you have a medical plan, and that medical plan truly complements the commercial plan. Hmm, yes, that makes sense. Now, but Sissy, you know, one thing that is on my mind is like, you know, the first time I started hearing about integrated medical communications, and I had exactly the same feeling, right? It's like, okay, we're talking here about removing silos, working together so that the plan makes sense. Why do you feel this is such a challenge? I mean, shouldn't that be the standard, right? That we don't work in silos. And what is it that makes it so hard to actually do so that we need a, a special approach to it? Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily say special approach, but I think part of it is, you know, we always say communications is key, collaboration is key. And oftentimes I think it, it's not that we don't want to collaborate. I think it oftentimes it's because, you know, we're given a certain remit or responsibility and, and we're all kind of coming in and we're trying to work towards our goals because we're given responsibilities. We have to hit a certain KPI. We have to do certain things. But I think part of what medical and medical communications role also is ensuring that that communication is driven out to the broader team, making sure that everybody understands what is an integrated medical communication strategy and plan, right? It's probably in every company, but really that true understanding of the why. Why do we need this plan? Why is your component very important part of this plan? It is because without that, it can't be a successful integrated plan right? VEO and or HUR is as equally as important as the publication plan because it's part of it. And the MedComs plan and the MedEd plan is also important because the awareness and understanding of all of it together and the successful implementation of all of that is the success of the plan. And I think the communication of that, we always say, oh, communication is key. But if we don't actually communicate, what is the integrated plan? Why are we doing it? Where is it going? I think that is also very important for all of us to understand. Yes, it exists. Yes, it's important for everybody to be part of it, but it's important to communicate why. And I think that's sometimes where we may fall flat a little bit, right? Because we're all kind of in it. Okay, I'm doing my part of the plan. You're doing your part of the plan. But at the end of the day, there should be that communication. And I think, you know, I think you and I worked on that part of the SCP. I think your team actually helped us do the video for our MAPS fog is, once we work on this plan, bringing it all together, right? Bringing it all together and sharing with the organization the importance of why we all did this together. It's not patting ourselves on the back, but showing the value of a truly integrated medical communications plan that has included all of the various functions together that has allowed us to come together with this playbook, if you will, or this roadmap. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's imagine that uh, someone is listening to us here and, you know, and think like, hey, that, that sounds great. I think I recognize some of these silos in our own organization and I would like to integrate our communication strategy more. What are some steps that someone could take? Like, what would be a logical approach to implementing an integrated medical communication strategy? Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, it seems so... <laughs> It seems so simple, right? Picking up the phone and talking. I think one of the first things that I did when I even came to Teva or or this new organization that I came into at GSK is meeting different people within those organizations, the leads for the VEO team or the lead for the medical team and the lead for the clinical team. You have to set up those uh, relationships. Part of the working team or collaboration is relationship. I mean, in our own personal lives, you can't have a friendship without having or building a relationship. In order to do something like an integrated medical communications plan, we've all talked about it. It takes months. It may take three months. It may take six months. 
But it takes that amount of time because there's an understanding that needs to be developed. There are strategy that needs to be put together. But you also need to understand your team members. And part of that is you may not always have agreement, but you need alignment. But part of that is understanding, okay, where does VEO or HUR need to be? What is their directive or what are their KPIs? What is their strategic imperatives for this year? Yes, should they be aligned with ours or why is that a little bit different? There is some understanding that needs to come from that. But part of that is engaging with them. You know, we just assume everybody just comes into the room and everybody is just going to be on board. Well, that's not necessarily the case. And sometimes maybe we do plan meetings and those meetings should be planned. And I mean, oftentimes now it is a virtual meeting and that's okay. If you can have a live meeting, by all means, I say live is, I love talking to people. It's good to have people one-on-one in a room if you can, because again, when we talk about EE exchange within our own organizations, those are our EEs. They are our internal experts. And in order to have that exchange and understand and make this a successful integrated medical communications plan, I got to talk to you. I have to understand where are you coming from? What is it that you need from this plan? What is your goal? What do we need to do together? When we can do that and I can understand that, I can also allay to others you know, this is what VEO or HUR wanted. This is what our clinical team is desiring if they're not able to be there. If I can voice that, then together they already see, oh, you know what? She understands what I need from this. That person already sees the need of my the, my goal for this integrated medical communications plan. Then together we can have alignment. It's like, you know, being on the playground when we're kids. We all want to play together, but in order for me to do that, I, I got to reach out. I got to go and say, Hey, do you want to come over and share with me? Do you want to come over and play? Like it seems so, some of these things seem a little bit grade school, but it's not. It's like, you know, picking up those little things that we've learned, soft skills, perhaps it may be simple, but we kind of have to reach over across the table and say, how do we work together in order to make something like a very valuable document, like an integrated medical communications plan work together for the greater good, which is again, what is it all relating back to? And that is the patient. Yeah, so basically you're saying the first step is really laying those connections, understanding what you're working with, how they are looking at, at the topic, and kind of opening opening the communications Absolutely. to start rather than uh, a more than starting with, uh, you know, creating the plan itself, right? So this is the most crucial step. Yeah, sometimes you have to be the switchboard operator. We've got to go back to old school and just sometimes you just got to be it. <laughs> yeah, I like that analogy. So what would follow? Let's say someone does that, there's a plan together, the different leads have been assigned, there have been some meetings, there's some understanding between the different team members. What would be the next step? Yeah, I think it's time to, you know, once our cross-functional teams have really put out there what we are looking for, an integrated medical communications plan actually has different features, right? The components of an integrated medical communications plan have sort of been set in place. We have a template, if you will, and you want the different cross-functional teams to start working on those plans. They probably have some, you know, they've probably been working on one already, depending on where you are in terms of timing. Um, And each organization has a timing of when those things need to be ready for the next year. Starting to work on that together and laying out timelines and planning and putting those things together as to say when we will need which piece from you, right? You know, working on those strategy pieces, thinking about those timelines and really organizing it in a way that says to everyone, hey, we're serious about this. We need different pieces from you in order to make this integrated medical communications plan a team effort 
and we're all aligning, we need to organize it in a fashion that says, and lets everybody else know accountability. Part of an integrated medical communication plan lets everybody know you're part of the process and you're also accountable for the process, which means that each of you have a part to play. If you're the pubs team lead, if you're the VEO lead or HUR lead, if you're the medcoms or meded lead, each person needs to provide us with information that then provides the overall integrated medical communications plan. So again, communication of the needs and then reciprocation in terms of accountability, right? So in terms of everybody knowing their sort of role to play. Yeah. Now, from, a, I guess, a practical perspective, how does a, a plan like this look like, uh, maybe specifically compared with an SCP, for instance? Yeah, so a scientific communication platform is very specifically the pillars on which that's really what the strategy is, right? What are your scientific communication pillars? And that's really the foundation for your product and what that is. That really lays out the strategy. What are we looking for? That's part of our strategy in terms of the actual pillars that our product will be supported by. And all of the integrated medical communications plan and from each of our cross-functional teams they should all be aligned on what those pillars are because each of our tactics in terms of that how the implementation should roll up in terms of those pillars. And then the actual planning portion of it, each of those teams, the cross-functional teams, you know, you've got the evidence generation as part of HUR, you've got the clinical team, which will still be working on what they may still be working on. You've got MedComs, you've got MedEd. Each of them will then, of course, have their tactical implementation portion of it and you'll want to then integrate each of those into your the medcom medical communications plan because each of those particular plans plays a role right because we want awareness of everything part of that is understanding what each of our cross functional teams are doing so we can see across the year a good medical communications plan in my eyes is is a good 18 to 24 months that's if you can see that far out and truly plan that far out that truly gives you awareness and understanding of what's coming, what you need to do. And also for internal planning purposes, cost-wise as well, budgeting-wise, and also when data comes out, what needs to be done and prepares your team also well in advance for what needs to be done. And you're thinking also about the patient, right? An evolution of your story. All of that should really play into the fact that this entire integrated medical communications plan is done for the fact that you have an SCP, you have a story that's being told that evolves over time based on new data being provided, new insights. You know, I think that's something else that I think we will be touching upon is each part of this integrated medical communications plan will have insights from each of your cross-functional teams as part of their plan. And those insights inform our plan over that time and allow us to be very flexible in terms of updating our plan to ensure that we are making sure that our scientific communication points are being updated and revised in order to tweak our narrative in a timely fashion so that our story continues to evolve and reach the right audiences with that story in order for them to make the right choice for their patient. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm curious about those insights. Could you tell a little bit more about that? Like, I'm specifically asking because um, you might have seen the new uh, McKinsey Medical Affairs 2030 white paper that came out, and they're specifically talking about optimizing the content for the right HCP with the right content and through the right 
channel. And I think insights are, you know, historically something that is not used sufficiently, in my opinion, to shape communications. What is your, your perspective on this and how could a, a integrated medical communication strategy and plan help with that? So I think it's very important for us to understand insights. Insights should be used in a way from each of our cross-functional teams. And understanding insights is very important because we did this as part of our MAPS fog. Insights you get from various cross-functional teams. If you're talking about MSLs, if you're talking about the VEO team, you're talking about clinical, even among medical, because you'll have EE exchange, ad boards, things like that. And insight in terms of just volume of insights, you'll get tons of insights. But an insight is only valuable if it really provides information as it relates to is there going to be a change? Is there a change in the landscape? Are there a change in guidelines? Is it a trend or is it an insight? And I'm sure you'll probably get a lot more information in regards to that. But how does that insight inform us in terms of that plan? And I think that's important to understand because if those insights change something in our strategy, that is important for us to understand. Is that going to change one of our pillars in terms of the efficacy or safety scientific methods that we have? If so, then we will need to ensure that that's communicated appropriately. So to come back to the topic of insights, would you have like maybe a practical example of a situation where an insight was crucial to adapt the communications? Yeah, so... For us, part of it was guideline changes. That insight, of course, is natural, right? Because of how the guideline changed, it actually ended up having our product on the guideline. So that was an obvious change. So that was actually a very valuable change for us in terms of using that information and the guideline change as an insight so we could update information in our, not necessarily our SCP because you wouldn't put the a guideline on the pillar. However, for our implementation and tactics, right? So in terms of that communication that we could have with EEs, the other types of medical activities and tactics, it's important to understand. It's always important also to understand what's happening in the landscape. It's also valuable for us to understand those insights and where do those insights then inform certain publications, for example, right? Even when we're developing those publications, because those communications will be immediately impactful. Because when we know that something is changing in the guidelines, and those guidelines are what is informing clinical practice as well, right? So not just for your target audience, that's incredibly important. It's also simple things. When you're going to a Congress, we heard from many clinicians also when you're looking at our data and how it's being presented, there was some confusion as it related to how a particular graph was being seen in terms of the efficacy. And they said, we didn't quite understand this. And it came up several times. It seems rather, oh, okay, maybe it's just something we need to communicate. MSL can go and communicate it. But when it came up several times, it wasn't just a one-off. It wasn't two times. That also came back to us to understand because that graph is now going to be seen in a manuscript. It's going to be seen in MSL slide decks. It might have been seen in symposia. So what we had to do is come back, take that in, and understand what is causing the confusion. Why is it not being communicated in the right way? It is also part of our efficacy pillar because it's the supporting information 
that reorients back to the pillar. So we had to come back in, take a look at that particular graph and say, how can we fix this in order to make sure that the communication is being effective? So again, how is that insight coming in? Is it a one-off just because one physician didn't like it? Or is it truly saying to us, okay, our communication is not being effective or our data is not being understood? I think those are the types of things we need to understand so that we can you know, recalibrate, reassess, refine, and take that back out there so that those that are communicating our science can do it in a way, again, who is it for? It's for the target audience. Is it for the healthcare professional? And who is making decisions for them? If they don't understand the data, again, this is not packaging. It's not the color of the product. It is the science. If they don't understand the science, then it won't be valuable to them. So this is why I think for us as medical affairs and medical communications, it's important for us very much so in order to communicate effectively. It's the science of the communication and the communication of the science because if it's not done properly, well, then they won't come back to it. They'll just say, oh, we don't understand. Uh, just forget this and it's not going to be. But if this product could be valuable or effective for that particular patient, then it's important for us. It's not about, oh, you have to use the GSK product or the Teva product or the Janssen product. Is this product, is this drug going to be valuable for that patient to make a change or make quality of life better for that patient. That is the most important part. That's why for medical communications, I find this so interesting because we can make changes for patients in what we do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't help but just being very curious to how the story ends. <laughs> in terms of the insight or? The, 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 no, the, yeah, the insight that you had about the efficacy and that this charge was misunderstood. So what ended up happening? Yeah, absolutely. So we came back and we changed that particular graph. We did it pretty quickly. So we came in and we had a little working group with that MSL that kept bringing in the information because they had team meetings within the MSL organization brought that back into us. We had a working group. We took that information in, worked with our agency partner to revise the graph. We actually took that graph back out to an EE at KOL and asked them, what do you think is this going to be working for you? Because we thought that's probably the best way to at least address, does this make sense? Do we understand this now? And then for the next time out that we were going to use this, we actually used it in an encore presentation at a Congress and we're able to take it out and we got much better traction with that. They understood it better. And it was actually even being used eventually in a, a commercial type of CVA, I think. So I think what came out of that was understanding the value of an insight that comes in, right? You understand the value of an insight and not also being prideful in the fact that, oh, everything we create is great. You know, of course, when you're working with medical team members and authors, like, oh, everything we do is fantastic and this is wonderful. And, you know, this makes perfect sense. It's not always the case. We want to ensure that that particular graph or bar chart or what a Kaplan-Meier curve, it should make sense. At the end of the day, sometimes for internal team members, it does make sense. And I work for pharma. So for us, internally, they've been working on it for years. It does make sense. For our statisticians, it does. It absolutely does. But for an external audience, our audience is most important for us because at the end of the day, they must digest it. They must understand it. What does it then mean for their patient? 
That is the most critical point. It may be as nice as it can be in a manuscript, but if it's not relevant for them as a clinician, then it doesn't matter. We have not done our job as medical communicators if it's not valuable to them for their patient. Yeah, that makes sense. And it kind of, I guess, three things that really stand out from your story. I guess the first part would be like, not every piece of feedback is an insight, right? So you, you kind of need to analyze them and start seeing the patterns, right? So once you have, so you found a pattern in this case. And what I really liked about what you said is like going to that KOL and actually checking if the new version of that chart made more sense and worked. And I think that getting closer to our audience that we're communicating to and actually having that dialogue with them to understand what they think is a step that is, uh, is not always done, and, but it is really important to communicate effectively. And then you brought it up uh, to this encore, after which you could kind of see like, okay, now this is working better and we get different feedback than we got before. So I think that's a really great example of effective communication strategy. Yes. This time it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a good example. It worked this time. Yeah. So, well, we can approach this from two different ways. Like what would you say happens if an industry organization wouldn't embrace the concept of integrated medical communication? So let, let's say you know, with the changing HCP preferences and, and, you know, busyness where they don't have time to study information uh, sufficiently to stay up to date. Like, what would this mean and how does the IMC play into that? Yeah, I think, to be honest, you know, I haven't been part of that type of organization, but in my mind, I would see that that would be a huge deficit to not have an integrated medical communications plan. What you're going to probably see is the inconsistency of communications, product details. You will probably have some sort of audience confusion, right? You'll have perhaps the HR team will go out and say the way they want to talk about it, or they'll have some sort of scientific messaging. The clinical team may have it the way they want to. Perhaps pubs will do something. Perhaps the medical team will do it the way they want to. Perhaps there's some alignment within the organization, but without an integrated approach, there is inconsistency. And that's what you're trying to avoid, right? You know, you have the commercial and there is, of course, that wall that's there, the, the commercial and the medical. But at the end of the day, there should be a complementary approach from medical to commercial, but there shouldn't be a sort of this medical affairs diffracted approach. If there is, without a doubt, there will be some inconsistency and you're trying to avoid that. Then also you don't want your target audiences to see that they will figure that out at some point. You know, if you think about congresses or communications, and if you think about, you know, DDCX or digital multi-channel, dare I say omni-channel, if they're following you in that way, if I'm following Dr. Portuguese or Dr. Portuguese is following me through GSK and he says, okay, I saw this at ECMID and then now I've come to the medical affairs portal and I see this and then I've come now and I've been sent an email. He sees different messaging and we cannot be oblivious to the fact that he's not, he or she is not going to follow me and understand and pick up on the nuances or the nuances that are not there, right? So we, we should be cognizant of that. Even a patient, you know, we have to be mindful of the fact that people are savvy. They are getting their information from many different places and platforms, and there should be consistency. That is part of our job to ensure that there is consistency. If it's not there, then we are doing ourselves a disservice and we could be potentially 
harming ourselves by doing that. So we should be careful in order to ensure that there is consistency of message. We have organizational alignment, organizational focus on the strategy from the beginning, you know, and whoever is there to spearhead that from leadership, the medical affairs slash medcoms leadership. So we can strive to make sure that that happens. We should. Yeah. So Sissy, we have covered a lot of ground today here you know, talking about your personal journey and, and why you're actually in, in medical communications to, uh, you know, the integrated medical communication strategy and plan. Can you maybe share what keeps you motivated and inspired in this rapidly evolving field? Yeah, sure. So family, friends, colleagues, loved ones, you know, someone will always require some sort of medical intervention or care. And because of that, we should be armed with sound medical communications. And I feel you know, it seems like a cliche or maybe it's, it feels too altruistic, but I get to be part of that journey each and every day. And if I can be, I, I want to be motivated each and every day to do my very best to ensure that if a healthcare a professional is making a decision based on the science, that I get to put out the best possible science there is out there and be a good steward in terms of trying to be as innovative or as involved in putting the best education out there on the right kinds of platforms, the right venues, working with the right partners to make sure that that happens. Because I too am a patient, right? I too am under the guidance of a healthcare professional. And I hope that he or she will always be informed, but informed in the right way with the right kind of communication. So that's what keeps me going. I truly enjoy what I do. I get to work with incredible professionals each and every day to ensure that this happens. And we're in a world where science is ever changing. It's ever moving forward. You know, we were hit by something like COVID. And because of that, we've had to evolve even faster, right? And because of that, we have the opportunity and we're at the forefront to allow that to happen and be stewards of change. So that's why I get to do what I do. And I hope I do it well. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful thought. You know, ultimately, People can only make decisions based on the information that they have, right? And, and doctors are no different. And we play an important part in that process. Maybe as a final question, is there a specific thought that you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I think I'm thankful to be part of this process. And I believe as medical communications professionals, we should always be stewards and champions of doing what we do to the best of our ability. We have the opportunity to be transformers of change uh, when we can be. And we should be at the forefront of that and advocate for the best scientific information that goes out to healthcare professionals because the patient should be at the center of everything that we do. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. And it was really a pleasure talking with you as always. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was always great working with you, Wes. Thank you so much. Transforming Medical Communications is brought to you by MedComs Experts. To find out more about MedComs Experts and how we create some of the most cutting-edge medical communications programs anywhere in the world, visit www.medcoms-experts.com. And then make sure to search for Transforming Medical Communications in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at MedComs Experts, thanks for listening.